We're not a church of professionals. We're a church of Christ believers. Amen? We love the Lord and He loves us. Hallelujah. So we're in the book of Haggai. And we've come to the third Sunday that I'm preaching out of this short little book. What a powerful book. How compact it is. So much in there. And I reckon we can preach more and we can pull more things out of it. Today... We want to start with chapter 2, so I want you to open up in your Bibles there. If you do have your Bible here, please open up there. And I still want to encourage you, I want to encourage you to bring your Bibles. You know, we don't know, one day there might be technology problems and I won't have this up there for you. And then you want to follow in your Bibles. It's always good to have a Bible. It's always good to bring your Bible. Somebody once said, you know, if a Bible falls apart, your life is healed using it so much. Amen? And I love the Word of God. Praise His holy name. Haggai chapter 2, and I'm going to start reading from verse 1. It says, in the seventh month, on the, tw- on the 21st of the month, the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet, saying, Speak now to Zerubbabel the son of Sethiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua the son of Zedozadak, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people, saying, Who is left among you who saw the temple in its former glory? And how do you see it now? Two very good questions. In comparison with it, is this not in your eye as nothing? Yet, Now be strong, Zerubbabel, says the Lord, and be strong, Joshua, the son of Zedozazak. They throw that name in every time, and my tongue twists over it every time, but I think you understand what he says. I mean, don't name your child after that, okay? You will have a tongue twister there. He says, the high priest and the strong, and the people of the land, says the Lord, and work for I am with you, says the Lord of hosts according to the word that I covenanted you when you came out of Egypt. So my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. For thus says the Lord of hosts, Once more, it is a little while, I will shake heaven and earth, the sea and dry land. And I will shake all nations, and they shall come to the desire of all nations. And I will fill this temple with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine, and the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. The glory of this latter temple shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place I will give peace, says the Lord of hosts. How wonderful is the public reading of the Lord's word. Let's thank the Lord for it. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I know your word is holy, Lord. I know your word is already anointed. And I just pray, Father, that you open up our ears and your eyes and our hearts so that we can receive these words. And Father, let these words build us in your faith. Let it change us into the image of your Son. And I pray now, Father, as a vessel preaching this word, Lord, that you will bless my mind. Give me vocabulary and a a peaceful heart, Lord, to bring the message to the people that you want. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to talk to you today about stop looking backwards. Stop looking backwards. 
Now, maybe if you're in a car like that, you need to look backwards. But I pick this little picture here because there's nothing coming from the back. And all you can see is on the side, and you can see in, the, in front of you. But the message this morning that we need to think about is to stop looking at our past. And this is so important because a lot of people live what I'm going to explain to you today. I would say everybody in this place is affected by this somehow. Somehow. You see, the thing is a lot of people still live in the past. A lot of people live there. And there's bad things in the past that affect your present. I remember once in New Zealand, I was preaching there, and there's this lady that visited from South Africa, and I was working with her two children who was living over there. And this lady wanted to talk to me personally. It's an older lady. And we walked on the beaches there in Browns Bay in, South, in, in New Zealand. And as we walked, she told me the story, a terrible story that happened. And as he explained this terrible story for me, it's nearly for 15, 20 minutes, he just told me in fine detail of all of the bad things that happened in this particular case with her. And as we walked to the end of the beach, I said to her, how long ago did this happen? Thinking it just happened yesterday. So what she told me happened 10 years earlier. But she could tell me to detail as if it's happened yesterday. This was a lady who was living in her past, who was calling up all of the old things of the past, the guilt. Guilt lives in the past. The regret. You know, the things that you think you should have done. And it's all of these things. Sadness. Sadness chases people down like a hound dog out of the past into the future, into the present. A root of bitterness. All of these things are ghosts that sit in your rear view mirror. Yet some people are pulling it in with them to ride with them in that car in the present day. This is one of the biggest, biggest problems in our world today. It's people living in the past. Bad things that happened in the past influences the current day. If you talk to the psychologists, they will say the same thing. If you look into the church today, Christians, they will say the same thing. People, and I no doubt maybe in this room today, people can tell you about a bad thing that happened to them maybe many years ago as if it happened just yesterday. Fine detail. Oh, but you, if you talk to these people and they say you need to forgive these people and you need to let go, oh, they quickly to say, yes, yes, I have. But the detail in which they explain it to you means that it's not been forgiven yet. It's a true story. Bitterness and all forms of unforgiveness are caused by too much living in the past and not enough in the presence, in the present day. You see, those are bad things that control people. But then sometimes and always is good things out of the past can influence your current day, your present day. How many times have you come to somebody and you said, oh man, we've had it so good back in the day. It was so good. I'm not happy about today. But yesterday, man, in the 60s or in the 70s or when we grew up, oh, that was good times. 
Those were so good times. Today's no good time. I, I'm not happy where I am today. It's not good. But they were good times in the past. And this is also things that really impact on people how they live today. Where do we need to live? We need to live in the present. So we see this. A lot of people are looking in the, in, in the, in the rear view mirrors of their lives and they look at the things that happened in the past and that influence, influence their present day. But not only that. There's a lot of people who's not only living in the past, but they also live in the future. They live in the future. They worry about the day of tomorrow. A lot of these people have conversations that never took place, never took place, but they're all heavy, already having these conversations today about what's going to be talked about tomorrow. It is so amazing. So people are living in the past and they're living in the future. These people in the future are uneasy about the future. They're anxious about the future. They, they, their tension levels are high about the future. They stress about the future. It's all forms of fear is grabbed into this about the future. It's causing a lot of problems and it affects people's health. If you go to the doctors today, people don't need pills and medicine. They need to let the past go and live in the present with hope for the future. You see, yes, we are looking out for the future as children of God. We do. But we look out to the future for hope, with hope, with faith. We don't fear and stress about the future. And it happens to all of us, isn't it? Something happened to you and you go, how's this going to affect tomorrow? What's going to happen to my children tomorrow? I know a lady. I know a lady who said to me once, she's so afraid for her children in the future. In the, they haven't lived that life yet, but she's afraid of them in the future. So much so that if she hears an ambulance siren going off, she thinks it's her child. How can you live with that fear and somebody with the weight of the past upon their shoulders? No doubt. This is why people are so sick today, physically sick about the past and about the future. You see, this happened to these people. These people that Haggai speaks to them. If you look in verse 3, he says, Who is left among you who saw the temple in its former glory? This is the word of God coming to Haggai. And he looks over the crowd and he says, Who sitting here could remember Solomon's temple? Who is old enough who lived in the past and could see this temple? Now see the question that he asks here. He says, And how do you see it now? In other words, compare the temple that you are busy building now with what you had in the past. This beautiful, magnificent temple. How do you compare it now? In comparison with it, is it not in your eyes as nothing? So the problem here with these people living in that day is they had an eye back on the past and they are busy building something for God, but they see it's not good enough. They kept the eye back in the past and they need to look forward. They look at what they were building. You see, when I see in the book of Ezra, and I read a little bit about the temple, we see in verse 11, and they sang res responsively, praising and giving thanks to the Lord. This is when they started building the temple back in Ezra, rebuilding it. For He was good, for His mercy endures forever towards Israel. 
Then all the people shouted with great shout when they praised the Lord. You see, there's two kinds of people in this passage in Ezra. The people who live for their day, today is the day, and then you find the second group. Look at this. Then all the people shouted with great shout when they praised the Lord, because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. They were so excited. Today we are laying the foundation of this new temple. Today is the day that the Lord has made. Today is going to happen. And when these people saw the new foundations laid for the temple, they rejoiced, shout for joy. They didn't think about the past. They didn't think about the future. I spoke to somebody in the week. You know, it's a beautiful day. Oh, but he said, remember next week the rain is coming back again. That's somebody listening in the future. And I said, what about today? Oh, look at this. Oh, but I've already checked. These people were looking for today. The foundations were grown, and they know there's a promise of coming. They can see it in their mind's eye. This is going to be built. But then there's a second group of people in verse 12. But, what does but mean? Sharp contrast. The, you see today you find the people living for the day, and then you find the but people. But, many of the priests and the Levites and the heads of the Father's house, old men who had seen the first temple, who had seen the first temple, wept with a loud voice when the foundation of the temple was laid before their eyes. Yet so many shouted for joy. So there's some who wept and there's some who shouted for joy so that the people could not discern the noise of the shout of joy from the noise of the weeping of the people. For the people shouted with a loud shout and the sounds was heard afar off. That must have been a commotion. Yay! Praise the Lord! The foundation! Today is the day! Woo! Woo! Are we going to be able to build the old one? Woo! And it makes such a commotion, such a big noise. Is that your life sometimes? Some days you shout for joy today, but then as that memory just falls into your mind about the past, it goes away into weeping. Haggai is a powerful book, isn't it, would you say? Let me ask the question, is this message applicable to you and me today? Remember, there's a threefold application. There's a local application. These people were weeping and shouting for joy. There's a prophetic application. And then there's a personal application. It happens to us. The problem here was, they were looking back, these people who wept. They didn't see what God had for them today. Today is the day. But these people had their eyes on the back. We want what we had there. But what if God has something different for you? One of the biggest problems for us is living in the past. And our memories. You see, the Lord said to them, Don't fear, for I am with you. Fear not. It's not the temple, it's God's presence. Today He's with us in this church. He's with you today. And today is the day to live. You can do nothing about yesterday. It's water under the bridge. It's gone. You can't change yesterday. You can't have that argument over again and have a different outcome. It has happened. And you can do nothing about tomorrow. 
for tomorrow will look after its own things. But these people, it happened. It's been now seven weeks since the first message came to them to stop their laziness and to start building the temple. For seven weeks, they started going up onto the mountain, cut down the cedars, bring them down with a lot of effort, strip them, put them into the temple, and now they look at it. Look, look what he says. He says, can you remember the former? How do you see the temple now? And you are comparing it. You are comparing it. And it's nothing in your eyes. That's what we do. We compare things. We compare it with our past. Seven weeks they've been working. And now they're getting a little bit worn down. And the word of the Lord comes to them. How powerful is the word of the Lord? You see, Jesus said it himself. In Luke chapter 9, we find a, a very good passage about a man who came to Jesus and wanted to follow him. For today he's calling you to follow him. I don't care what you tell me about yesterday. Oh, we served the Lord so good 10 years ago. I could remember back 10 years ago, everybody came to church. There was such a great revival. Everybody prayed. Everybody sang. I don't care about that. Today is the day to serve the Lord. Oh, preacher, I served the Lord now for 20 years. Your 20 years means nothing. Today is the day to serve the Lord. And here we find the same. He says, now it happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. Wherever you go. That's a big call. And Jesus said to him, listen now, foxes as voles and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no way to lay his head. There's no prosperity in following Jesus. Let me repeat that. There's no prosperity in following Jesus. He will bless you with heavenly blessings. It will reset your mindset around prosperity. He says, these foxes of ours, I've got nothing. So, what does he say in other words? If you follow me, be ready to have nothing. To give it all up. This is what he said to the disciples. Follow me. What did they do? Peter left his whole business. And he went after Jesus. He says there's no. Then he said to another, follow me. But he said, listen, he said to this man, follow me, come, come, follow me. But this man said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. You see, he's got his eye back. He hasn't got his eye on now. And what is Jesus' words? You would say That's, that is pretty good. You know, he's got to go and bury his father. In those days, they didn't wait a week or two weeks. No, no, they had to be buried quickly. He says, I'll go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him in verse 60, Let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and preach the kingdom of God, the life. And then in verse 61, and another also said, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. You see, he's living. He's living all over there. He's not following today and looking forward to Christ. But Jesus said to him the following words. He said, no one, no one, having put his hands to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. It is important for you and for me to understand today that we cannot be children of God. Blood was children of, professing children of God, living for today and still living in the past. This is what Christ said. 
the plow he's talking about didn't have a John Deere tractor in front of it. It had a few donkeys, and maybe a cow, and it had two handles that you hold on to. And you walk behind these donkeys as they pull, and you steer the thing with two hands. It takes hard work to plow. It's not an easy job. But what he's saying, you have to have both your hands on the plow because if you try to look back this way, you can't. You can just see what's next side of you. If you want to look backwards, you have to let go with one of your hands. You have to let go to turn yourself to look what's in the past like a lot of people do. The problem is, the reason why there's two ends to this plow, if you have both hands on it, you're steering it straight. If you let go, what happens? The pressure that you have on the one side will let go. There will be more pressure on the left-hand side, and what will happen? You will go askew. It's so easy as that. I'm, I'm doing swimming, as you know, in the mornings. And uh, I was swimming this one evening. I got there, at the, and there's this swimming structure there. I know the guy well. And as I got into the pool, he says, swim with one of these. I've got my goggles there. It's a nice photo. I'll take one for you one day, okay? Um, so I've got my goggles there, and he says, no, swim with these goggles. So I put them on, and they were black. You can't see anything. He's, they painted, you know, you buy them, it's black. So you're blindfolded. And I go, what is this? He goes, no, swim with this. And I'm in my lane. And I put them on. And when I got halfway, I started swimming over the lane. But I went to my left over the lane. Uh, yes, to my left. And I took them off and I go, what is it? They teach the young children with these blindfolds to stay in their lanes even if their eyes are closed. Very interesting. And he started telling me, he says, when you swim and, and you can't see anything, your strong arm works harder than your weak arm. I, you know, I didn't know that. But it was proof because I swam over to the left side because my strong arm was working harder. The same principle happens here. Jesus says, keep both of your hands on the plow and you look in front of you. You look in front of you. You can't look over there because you've got two, I nearly said ashes like donkeys, okay? But that, you know, I've said it already. You've got two donkeys in front of you and you need to get them to steer in the right way. So this is what he said. And who remembers what happened to Lot's wife? You remember Lot? In Genesis chapter 19, we see that God comes down and He tells them, He pulls them out of the place because He's going to damage the place. And as they walk out and the fire of God rains upon these two cities, what did Lot's wife do? She looks back, but his wife looked back behind him and she became a pillar of salt. You see, friends, God don't want us to live in the past. He wants us to live in the present. In the present. Paul is another example of this. And he had every reason to look back, this man. He had every reason that his past would influence his present. He was beaten. He was shipwrecked. He was beaten to an inch of his life, you can say. He was spat upon. He was casted out. He was one man who could live a bitter life. But did he? No. He picked up on what Jesus said. Look at this, Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. Not uh, that I have already attained or I'm already perfected, but I press on. I don't sit and dwell on the past. I press on, he says, that I may lay hold of that which 
for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do. What is it, Paul? Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. It's powerful words, isn't it? It's a lesson we need to learn this morning. You see, there were these people that were building the temple. The foundation was laid. And then the Lord came to him and he said, Your priorities is above my priorities. You've become procrastinators. You've become lazy. And he, he hurries them up to start building. He sends them to go and obey his voice to get these trees from the mountains to bring them down. Seven weeks they are doing it, but they were still remembering how good it was in the, in the past. And here Paul says, forgetting those things which were behind. Stop crying about it. Like the old men in Ezra. Stop crying about it. Stop crying about how unfair your life was behind you. Stop worrying about the fears of tomorrow. Live today for those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal of the price of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore let us, as many as are mature, have this mind. And if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. You see, Paul calls this mature to think this way. He says, therefore let us, as many as are mature, have this mind. What mind, Paul? The mind of forgetting those things which are behind and reaching towards those things. Do you really want to tell me that Paul is telling me that I'm childish when I live in the past? Well, I read it right there. Paul is writing down, and remember Paul writes down the Word of God. If you believe like I believe that every word in the Bible is inspired by God, it's the breath of God, then this is God speaking to your heart this morning, and He says, look, it's immature, to live in the past. Forget those things. So many people, and I can tell you story upon story that we've come across, people who live with the chains of the past around them, they can't break loose. They live in the past like these people. Look at Haggai chapter, Haggai chapter 2 verse 4. He says, yet now, look at this now, be strong. You see, forget about the past don't fear about tomorrow. He gives them a word of encouragement. He says, be strong, Zerubbabel. And then he says, be strong, Joshua. And then he says, be strong, all your people. Be strong. It's going to take courage. It's courage to live to, for today for the Lord. All your people of the land, says the Lord. And work, for I am with you, says the Lord of hosts. I love this. He brings them just back to their work to do. Because you know what happens if you stop working? You start procrastinating again. They start the cycle all over again. Man, I love the, the book of Haggai. It just, it just backs itself. He says, keep on working. Don't stop working. I know it's been seven weeks. I know you think about, oh, it's not going to be so splendid like the old, the old Solomon temple. Did you know Solomon's temple was one of the most beautiful temples in the world back then? The queen of Sheba, I, I think she came 1,500 miles to come and see this place. It was laid with gold. I mean, if you, if you would have walked, I haven't been there because it was destroyed and I wasn't there. 
But if I read in the Bible, how beautiful it says in the book of Kings, how it was built with cedar wood. And the cedar wood was at gold, not plated gold. It was real gold over it. The floors were like gold. They used olive trees to, to do some parts of this temple. Magnificent temple. Beautiful. And I can just imagine might be, be a, a Jew or a child or Israelite walking around with proud in myself and say, Wow, look at our temple. Woo, it's great. We've got a beautiful temple. You haven't got one. Queen of Sheba come there because she wanted to see Solomon's wisdom. She wanted to hear this man that she's heard so much about his wisdom. When she arrived there, she couldn't believe his wealth he had. And then this magnificent temple, this beautiful place that sits there. And these people build their one. They come down with the cedars and it doesn't even look a patch to what it was. No queens visiting them for this temple. See, this is where people live, in regret and all of those things. But the Lord says, be strong. Keep on building. Don't worry about the splendor thereof. Keep on doing what you're doing today. Live for Christ today. Live for Him today with everything you've got. Serve God. Even though, even though it seems as if nothing's happened, keep on working. Keep on serving Him. And He says, I'm with you, says the Lord of hosts, according to the word that I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt. My spirit remains amongst you. Do not fear. You see, the message is simple that He had. Be strong, work, and do not fear. It's the same message today to you and me. It's the same. Be strong, work, serve the Lord with everything you've got, and do not fear. In other words, forget about the past because you know you're in the present. Work today and do not worry about tomorrow. Why? Because God's in control. This is it. This is in that message. This is the second sermon that he preaches. God's in control. For thus says the Lord of hosts in verse 6. Once more it is a little while I will shake heaven and earth. You can only shake heaven and earth if you're in control of it. That's just plain straightforward. And let me tell you something this morning. Heaven and earth will be shaken. Like you've never seen it before. I'm not, you think about the worst earthquake that happened. The worst storm that happened on this planet. That ain't even a patch when God is going to shake this heaven and earth. Oh, you are building so much to build something in this. It's going to be shaken. Your mansion is going to be shaken. I don't know. Maybe your car it will fall into a big crater. I don't know, but it's going to be shaken. It says it right there. And only somebody who's in control of this whole universe can shake something this much. The sea and the dry land. There's no place that will hide the shaking. Let me tell you, even Hollywood knows about this thing. You see the movies that's coming out? It's about the shaking of this world. But they haven't got a clue. <laughs> Hallelujah. The worst movie, the apocalypse movie that you saw hasn't got a clue. They think they are clever. It says, not only will all of these things be shaken, and I will shake all nations. You have to be in control of nations to be able to shake them. You see, I love it. We have to take courage this morning. 
Listen, he says, my spirit remains with you, among you. We've heard what Jesus said with his disciples. He says, I'll pray the Father and you'll send you another comforter, the Holy Spirit who will be with you and in you forever. We know what happened on the day of Pentecost. What happened? The Spirit was poured out upon them. We are now got the Spirit of God living in us. This is, this is encouragement to be strong, to work and not fear. And now he talks about something which honestly... If you are not a child of God, will will bring fear of God in your hearts. To think that everything's going to be shaken so much that there's no place to hide. Go and read the book of Revelation. He talks all about it. He says, all nations will be shaken. Which is the most powerful nation upon the world today? It's America, isn't it? America. I mean, if you think about that, there's a lot of people who will dispute that. China's now trying to be the, the next superpower. I know that there's a lot of talk that India has got everything to be the next superpower. But all these nations will be shaken. And it's only one who can shake them is one who's in control. And they shall come to the desire of all nations. There's a lot of speculation about the desire of all nations. The way that I have to explain it to you is the desire of all nations is when Jesus Christ himself will come and rule from Jerusalem as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. This is it. And I love it. If you think about this whole passage, here's these people, they're sitting there, mochetroche in, 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 in their past. They're thinking about the past. And they think, this is not as good, and God's not going to be happy about it. He takes that whole mindset of them away and say, do not fear because I am in control. Keep on working. This is the message for you and for me. And then he finishes this morning. And I will fill this temple with glory. Who will fill it? Let me hear it. Who will fill this temple with glory? God will fill the temple with glory. This is no smoke machines and mirrors and lights in a worship service that you find these days in churches. And they say, oh, the glory of God is here. Let me tell you one thing. If the glory of God enter into those places, the mirrors will crack. The power will be cut and there will be no smoke machines and no disco lights going off in these places. If the glory of God enter a place, go and read what happened in Isaiah chapter 6. When the man of God, Isaiah, the prophet is is there and it says that the, the, the power of God came into the place, the seam of God filled the temple. And you know what happened? No smoke machines, no jumping and hopping and skipping and jumping. He fell down and he says, unclean am I amongst the nation of unclean lips. He repented. And an angel had to come with a coal taken from, from, from God's fire and touches his lips. Let it be known. And this is what I think. This is what I know these people didn't see. Which we don't see often. You see, these people wanted to build a magnificent, splendid place like Solomon had. And they would become so discouraged because they looked at what they had. This is what the Lord says. You look at what you had and this is what you've had before. But they, they missed the point. You can have the most beautiful building. If God is not there, it is nothing. You can have the most successful life, my friend. If God's not part of your life, you're nothing. I don't care who you are. 
Nothing that you have impresses me except the Spirit of God in your life. Nothing. This is how we ought to live. And I love it when he fills it. He says it here at the end. And I will fill this temple with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. Oh, that is so beautiful. They were still thinking back in Solomon's day with the gold and the silver. God says, don't worry about those things. It's mine anyway. It's mine. The glory of the latter temple shall be greater than the former. You see, they couldn't see into the future. Where is the temple of God today? Didn't he say it? Didn't you know that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit? Now please don't go to the dentist and start putting in gold teeth. <laughs> to say, I'm going to fill this temple with gold. <laughs> it is so true that the latter, the latter is better than the... We've had it this morning at the Lord's table again. The glory of the latter temple shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place I will give peace, says the Lord. You see, the world is looking for peace. The only time when peace will come is when the desire of all nations will rule from Jerusalem. And how is it then? Let's say, and they are going to build the temple, I believe, because it's prophesied. The temple will be built. And you say, how will the glory, if we bring it now back to not the Holy Spirit in our bodies, how will the latter be better than the previous? In Solomon's day, we had the Holy of Holies. We've heard about that this morning. But in Christ's day, he will be the king ruling from that temple. The latter will be better than the previous. So my dear friends, this morning I want to ask you. I want to ask you what the word of God is teaching us. Don't live in the past. If you are sitting here this morning and you are still sitting with things that, that haunt you from the past, come to the Lord this morning and say, Lord, I want to lay it down. I'm so sick and tired. I'm so sick and tired of being sick and tired. Of these things dragging me down. He said, she said, he did that, she did that, they did this, this, did this. You're just living there your whole life. In the meantime, you're getting older. Have you noticed when you look into the mirror, there's more gray hair, there's more wrinkles? Have you noticed, or is it only me? <laughs> all I can see is a reclining hairline. That's all I can see. <laughs> Sometimes I think it's a blessing in disguise, so you can't say I'm gray or not. <laughs> and some people bring it over themselves. They put more wrinkles in there than they ought to be because of worries about the past and no body paint that you put in there can hide it just thought I'd throw that line in not that I use any but but stop living in the past but the future is as dangerous as the past because I'll tell you what the future does it makes you eat your nails stop that live for today now, listen to me before I, and somebody can call my beautiful wife because I'm finished. Let me just say this this morning. This is not reckless living that I'm preaching here. God is not giving us a reckless living and say, look, just go for it. You know, like Nike says, just do it. Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't, you know, no, this is not what he's saying. 
We have got hope for the future. We have got faith for the future. But faith don't fret. Faith don't fear. I don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. But if I'm going to sit the whole day today and worry about tomorrow, tomorrow I'm going to do the same about the day after. And it's going to be like this man who says, you know, what a beautiful day. Ah, but I've checked it, you know. Next, don't, don't worry. This is only fool. It's fooling us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you this morning for your word. And Father, though like a clay pot I tried to bring it over the best, the Holy Spirit is the only one who can resonate your word in your hearts and our minds. And Father, maybe there is somebody sitting in this place living in the past. And maybe there is somebody sitting here worrying and fearing about tomorrow. Father, I just pray that your Holy Spirit and the words that I've spoken today